Amen. Well, welcome everyone. You guys can have a seat. Thanks, Seth and Martin, for leading us today during the first service. All right, a little round of applause. Okay, okay. I was thinking during the first service how often we use the word confession, and it's in reference like to confessing sin. But there's also if the function of the word confession, it's to confess what is true. To, to confess that we put our hope in God, we put our trust in God, we trust in God's love, and we build, we'll build our life on God's love. So that just really ministered to me today during worship. Thanks, you guys. Well, my name is Hannah. I'm one of the pastors here. I've gotten to know many of you. Some of you I don't know yet, but I hope I get to meet you soon. Today is a special service. It is an experiential service. Some of you have, have participated in those. We're trying to do, do these experiential services about once a month. And the reason we're doing that is because while listening to a teaching and, and worship are, are really good elements in our spiritual formation and our, in our commitment to follow Jesus and be formed in the way of Jesus, it also doesn't always get into our, our heart, into our emotions, into our bodies in the same way that experiences do. And so we're going to ask for a little participation from you today. And before you panic... I want you all just to take a deep breath with me. Ready? Good job. Good job. We're going to have a little bit of fun. I just want you to gauge what might be a little bit of a stretch for you today, okay? There'll be several opportunities to participate, and it's all optional. But find that edge, find that stretch where when we open ourselves up to new opportunities and experiences, it helps us open up, up to, to God in new ways, to ourselves in new ways, and to others in new ways. So our hope with these experiential services is that we get this following Jesus thing, not just in our heads, but in our whole bodies, in our whole lives. Does that sound like a plan? Okay. All right. A few of you. Online community, welcome. Uh, we are glad that you're joining us from wherever you are. In the chat, there will be prompts for you as well during the service of ways that you can be participating um, in the experiential elements as well. Today we're continuing in our series on Luke's gospel, and we've been focusing on theologian Justo Gonzalez's um, view of, of Luke's gospel as the great reversal, where Jesus and Luke shows us that the way of God, the kingdom of God, is so different than the way of the world and the ways that we normally just kind of operate in our day-to-day, -day. that Luke that shows us how Jesus turns things upside down and inside out and shows us this counterintuitive way of being human. So we're going to be continuing in that same theme today of the great reversal, and we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 3. So you can turn with me in your Bibles or scroll in your Bibles to Luke, or sorry, not chapter 3, Luke chapter 9, verses 22. So go ahead and get there. And it's probably a familiar passage with you if you are a follower of Jesus. It is about when, when Jesus talks about carrying your cross daily, denying yourself, following him. And for some of you, this passage has perhaps been used in potentially harmful or manipulative ways in your walk with God or in your experience in the church. I know when I had a couple of passages to choose from and I was like, oh, that passage intimidates me. I don't think I want to do that one. But I was like, that's probably exactly the one that I should do, right? Lean into that space, and I want to invite you to do the same thing. And in my prayer during that time, as I was been kind of prepping for this time together, I was like, okay, God, help me have patience with this text to get underneath sort of the baggage I'm bringing to it, the hurt I'm bringing to it, and help me hear your heart in this. Help me kind of move through and sit with the emotions 
long enough to be able to hear your heart and spirit for you to minister to me so that I can understand what it is that you're actually calling me to in this and let go of some of the things that you're not, the ways it's been used to silence and diminish and exploit people, all right? Maybe you're, you're like, I don't even know what you're talking about, Hannah. Like, that, that, that is not my experience with this text at all. That's fine, I'm super glad for you. I know for some of you, I just want you to have compassion on those, those in our community or who are listening online who maybe have had that experience with this text. So just know that we come to the text with all sorts of stories, and it's okay to be exactly where you are with it, and my hope is that during this service, We'll have some time to kind of be with God in this text and let God speak to us in the ways that God wants to today. All right. So with all that ado, how about we get into the scripture? Jesus said, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. And then he said to them, the disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory, in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Truly, I tell you, some of you who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up on a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became bright, as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, this is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and did not tell anyone at that time what they had seen. In a couple of minutes, some members of our prayer team, John Amon and April Prisbeck, will come up, and we're gonna, they're going to lead us through some, some more work around this, this passage. We're going to do something called imaginative prayer. Do I have your, am I intriguing you at all? But before they do, I want to frame up a little bit of some of the themes that are going on. I want you to notice the great reversals that are happening in this text. You probably picked up on some of them. There's lots of counterintuitive images, ways of, that Jesus is saying that are not what the ways of the world are. We see that from death comes life. We see that from suffering comes raising up. There's a connection between rejection from the religious leaders to this affirmation from God. There are the, the authority figures who seek power and control and security. And then there's the disciple followers who seek to give up power and control and seek to follow Jesus. There's a, this theme that it's in losing that we actually save. That it's in gaining things that we forfeit other things. Out of shame comes glory. 
And then we see the, the disciples being asleep and then awake. So as, as John and April come up, you guys can come up now. As they come up, I want you to kind of be mindful of some of those great reversal images throughout the text. We'll have some other prompts too to kind of guide you in your time. But I want you to be thinking about what is Jesus telling me about God? About what God's kingdom is like? About who we are and how we're called to participate in God's kingdom? And then I'll also have a couple of prompts for you as we go through the text. going through something called imaginative prayer. It's also been known as Lectio Divina or divine reading and it's a practice developed by a church father named Ignatius of Loyola in the 1500s. This practice brings together scripture and story and prayer in a way that kind of brings the text to life. So it's not just something we're kind of reading and intellectually engaging with, but it kind of gets into us. Stories have a way of getting beyond our kind of defense mechanisms and into our heart and our imagination. April, would you share a little bit about what imaginative prayer is? Yes, I'd love to. So imaginative prayer is meeting with God through his scripture and stories. And it envelops our emotions, our body, our minds, our spirits. And so the prayer develops as we... Um, immerse ourselves in the story, picture where we are in the story, and really listen to what God maybe would want a, us to learn or hear from him. All right, I just want to put to rest any of you who are thinking like, what if I do it wrong? <laughs> it, there's really not a way to do this wrong. It's the scriptures, it's just letting us kind of be in the story. Do the best you can. It may feel a little funky or clunky today, and that's all right. We'll be reading through this passage two more times, one by John and then one by April, and we'll have about 20 seconds or so of, of silence in between for us to reflect on some of the questions. All right, before John reads, I want you to take another deep breath, feel your body on the pew, just kind of settle in, and if you feel comfortable, you're welcome to close your eyes. In this first reading, I want you to listen for the details. Who are the people? Who are the major players? What are they doing? How do they interact? What's the setting like? Maybe what time of day is it? What's the mood or the atmosphere? Jesus said, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law. And he must be killed, and on the third day be raised to life. Then he said to them all, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him 
when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. I tell you the truth, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy. But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the clouds saying, This is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and told no one at that time what they had seen. This is the word of the Lord. This next reading, I want you to notice even, even more detail to the story. I want you to begin to feel yourself in that place. Who do you identify with? Are you in the crowd? Are you looking on the scene? What are you standing on? What is the ground like below your feet? What are you doing or thinking or feeling? What do you smell? What sounds do you hear? What other details do you notice about the place? And he said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed, and on the third day be raised to life. Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. About eight days later, after Jesus said this, 
he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were, were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son who I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and did not tell anyone at that time what they had seen. April and John. All right, kind of move around a little bit, come out of that. Good job. All right, now I'm going to ask you to be brave, even more brave than you've already been. I, selfishly, want to hear how that was for you. Why don't you go ahead and shout out, what did you notice? What questions came up for you? What captured your attention? What words or images stood out for you? And if you're online, you can write in the chat as well. I went to a Quaker college, and so I'm really comfy with silence. <laughs> Fearful. Fearful. Fearful, what was that? Sunny day. Sunny day. In awe, expectant, peace, peace. shock, understanding, understanding. solitude, solitude. Powerful. powerful, daily cross. Daily cross. Awesome. And what was that other one? Challenging. Challenging. This is, my son. this is my son who I'm well pleased. Yeah, did that remind anyone of another passage where we see that, where we hear that same voice over Jesus in his baptism after, with a baptism by John? Yeah. Anyone else? Curious about some shame because they didn't want to say anything about their experience. Yeah. And then Daily Cross. Yeah. Mystery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Foretelling. 
Yeah, good job, you guys. I'm very impressed. Well done. So this practice is something that we, I want to invite you to, to practice in your own life and your engagement with Scripture. It's so important to engage with Scripture academically and through our intellect and study. And it's also important to engage Scripture with, with our imagination, kind of with our, I think that's our right side of the brain, with that other part of it so we can be engaging and letting it impact the whole of who we are. As I was doing that, the, the prayer team and myself uh, were doing Electio Divina practice through scripture as we were preparing for this service. And what stood out to me was just this call from Jesus to wholeheartedness, to a daily wholehearted trust in God's ways, in God's ways in my life, in God's ways through my life for the sake of the world, in God's ways in our community. It's a call to trust that God's ways are actually good. That they're for us. Can we risk believing that God's ways, even though they are costly at times, lead us to the life that is truly life? Little illustration. Have any of you seen this really, it's really small production. It came out a couple of years ago. It's called Lord of the Rings. Has anyone seen that? Uh, maybe a few of you? Okay, cool. At the beginning of those movies, I think it's in the first movie, Bilbo Baggins um, is about to leave the Shire. And Gandalf can see that the ring that he has is already starting to corrupt him. And so Gandalf is trying to get Bilbo to leave the ring behind, not take it with him on his journey. And Gandalf says, I think you should leave the ring behind. Is that so hard? And Bilbo replies, well, no. And yes, relatable anyone? Bilbo gets defensive and suspicious and kind of projects onto Gandalf and says, and thinks that he's trying to take the ring for himself. And then the whole scene changes and Gandalf gets kind of big and the room gets dark and sort of ominous. And he has this booming voice and says, Bilbo Baggins, do not take me for some conjure of cheap tricks. I am not trying to rob you. And then the room gets warmer again and a little lighter. And Gandalf leans in. He says, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you. Can anyone else relate to that, that process when God is inviting us to lay something down, to leave something behind, and I get defensive and suspicious and, and project my fear onto God? And God is patient with that and says, I'm not trying to rob you. I'm trying to help you. God is for us. There are things that I carry that don't serve me anymore. There's things that I carry that, that cause harm to me, that cause harm to others. There are things that I carry that, that get in the way of following Jesus. There's things that I carry that, that are starting to that, that corrupt and over time diminish my true self, my, the image of God in me. God's not trying to rob us. God's trying to help us. I'm going to pivot a little bit because I don't know if you know this, but this week is the beginning of the season of Lent. That's the, is that news to anyone? A few of us? Yeah. I was, I've been preparing for this, and it still shocked me that, oh my goodness, that's this week. Okay. 
So the season of Lent is all about leaving something behind. It's all about giving something up for a season. And so I really think it connects to this text today, too, this call to pick up our cross daily, to deny ourselves, but not for the sake of just some weird willpower experience, but for the sake of trusting, of stepping more fully into the life that is truly life. So we've been practicing Lent here for a couple of years now. You may have done, joined, us, joined us last year as we practice it. But the church globally has been practicing Lent since the 4th century, so about 1,700 years. While church traditions can kind of feel stale and old and irrelevant at times, they can also connect us with these ancient pathways of relating to God, to the community of God, and to God's story. They can kind of revitalize us and connect us to Christians all over the world and through all time and space that have been trying to seek out this following Jesus thing as well. Lent's part of the church calendar, and the church calendar has these seasons like Advent, which leads us to Christmas, and Lent, which leads us to Easter, and then these special days throughout the year. And again, that's just to help followers of Jesus throughout time and space connect in their daily life to the story of God. Lent patterns itself off of Israel's 40 years in the desert that we see in the Old Testament, as well as Jesus' 40 days in the desert after his baptism that we see in the New Testament. It prepares us to celebrate the resurrection and Easter by first walking with Jesus through the anguish and the uncertainty and the, the wonder and the grief that is being human and living in a, in a world that God loves but that is not yet whole. Lent begins on Ash Wednesday, which is this Wednesday, March 2nd. Again, kind of surprised me. So just a couple of days away, and it's marked by three things traditionally. So prayer, being in communication with God. Fasting, giving something up for a season. Traditionally food, but it can be any number of things. And then almsgiving, which is giving away monetary and, and material things for the good of others. And these three practices ultimately are designed to help us strip away the distractions, to disconnect from some of our, our lesser identities and strivings and ambitions, and to reconnect with our truest identity as beloved of God. And I want to invite you, we want to invite you as your, as your staff into this season of Lent this year for the next uh, several weeks until Easter in April. It lasts for 40 days, but it excludes Sunday, so there's a day where you don't have to do it. Um, but throughout the 40 days, there's a couple of ways that you can participate. Well, first, you can do whatever you want, and you can kind of figure out your own Lent thing with your family or your, your community. But two things that we have uh, for you to do as, with, with us as a church. First, this Wednesday, Ash Wednesday, we will be having an open house kind of service. So from 9 to 10 in the morning, and then from 6 to 7 p.m. in the evening on Wednesday, we'll have in this, in this very room, in this sanctuary, kind of a, an educational, like what is Ash Wednesday and what is Lent, a little exhibit with some stations. So they'll have like help you understand this tradition a little bit more. But then a part of each station will also have opportunities for you to connect with God in prayer and for you to also maybe discern what it is that you might give up for the season of Lent. So kind of a prayerful, reflective space. It'll be self-guided 
invited, so you can come anytime in that hour, in the morning or the evening. There will be some pastors here to pray with you, though, if you'd like that. And then also at that, you'll get a 40-day reading guide um, through some scriptures throughout the season, and you can get that online as well. That's option one. All right, you with me? Are you with me? Okay, cool. Option two, uh, starting the following week on March 8th, we'll be doing a five-week prayer course. It says prayer course two. That does not mean that you needed to do prayer course one, okay? Let's make that clear. It does not mean you needed to do prayer course one. This whole uh, prayer course is about unanswered prayer and just the challenges and the questions and the struggles that come up in prayer that even Jesus experienced. And I'm so excited to tell you, in those five weeks, we are going to solve every mystery about prayer. We are going to figure it out, and we are going to master this thing, all right? That's a bit of a joke, slash extremely a joke. Uh, Our prayer pastor in residence, Jess, is going to be leading that, as well as myself. And we'll be doing that every Tuesday through Lent, except for the one that lands on spring break. All that information is at newhopepdx.org slash Lent, both about Ash Wednesday and about the prayer course. But I invite you to just think, okay, what's something that I might step into in this season of Lent? And in all honesty, there is still a bit of mystery about Lent. There's still some, like, wonder about it. And and I want to protect that and preserve that. And one of the things that Jesus does when he's trying to get at a, a, a mysterious thing, something that's beyond us, is he usually tells stories. Or he gives us a picture, an image, a parable to help us kind of circle around that thing and imagine. And so last year when I was teaching about Lent, I gave us an image to help us understand what is Lent all about? What is the purpose? And I want to invite us to remember that image, or if you weren't here last year, to share with you that image. And you'll have a little something to take home with you that will help you remember this image throughout. In the rainy season, which, you know, is like 10 months of the year here in Portland, um, plants don't have to work very hard to get nourishment. They can kind of get their nourishment from the topsoil, the water that comes on, it it saturates the soil, they can get everything they need pretty much from the surface soil. But in seasons of drought, when the heat waves come in that few weeks of the year, plants are sort of forced to go deep the roots of creation, to go deep into the the soil, to find the water table below, to, to, to find nourishment deep in the ground. And it's similar in this season of Lent, that our choice to give something up for Lent, to say no to something, or perhaps to give something away during Lent, it also sort of forces our roots to go deep into our deepest identities. Without those go-to comforts or the quick little self-soothing, numbing things that I like to do, without the false securities, I have the opportunity to, to engage with the real work of deepening my roots in my truest identity as beloved of God and as part of God's family. So we say no in this season to something but it's with the goal of saying yes to God, to God's ways, to God's kingdom, to God's goodness, God's love, God's values, God's vision for our lives. And it's in this yes that we connect, we reconnect with the glory, like in the passage that we've been reading, with the glory of who God is and who we really are. We're gonna take a few minutes now, it's part of the experiential thing, to kind of process all of this. 
So you have some options here during this time, the next five minutes or so. The worship team, Martin and Seth, are going to come back up, and they're going to play a song for you that really captures kind of this theme of, of in these struggles and in these challenging seasons in our lives, what is God up to? And it kind of helps us helps cast some vision for that. So you can, option one, sit and listen to the beautiful music and just kind of let that wash over you. All right? Option two, on the screen, there will be some re- reflection questions that might help you start to drill down on, okay, what is something that I might consider giving up for Lent? So it'll help you kind of reflect on that as well. It's option two. Option three is the most participatory, and it involves getting up out of your seat, and you'll see around the sanctuary upstairs as well, there are a couple of tables that have plants on them. And as we talk about this opportunity to deepen our roots and our identity as beloved of God, as part of the family of God, I wanted to give you a little picture as well. So you'll, have, you'll be able to propagate some plants this morning if you'd like to. Don't be too intimidated. At the back tables, we'll have some helpers there. So if you're like, I don't know what I'm doing, you can go to those two tables in the back and we'll have some people who will help you to figure it out. And we have some cheat sheets as well on the table. If you're at home and you have a house plant and want to try and go for it, do it. Plants like to grow. There's, it, it, you probably won't be able to get it wrong. All you have to do is look for, there's like a little brown, it's called a node. And there's a little picture on the, um, on the tables as well. You just have to look for a little node. And as long as that node is in the water, it should sprout some roots. And if it doesn't, I'm really sorry. <laughs> you can get another one a different week. But that's all you got to do, all right? So these next couple minutes are yours. Before you get up, let me pray for you. Paul's prayer from Ephesians 3. For this reason, I kneel before the Father in whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high And how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. The next few minutes are yours. (laughs) 